Whether you're starting a game or starting your day, you need to pick a starting lineup, and you're going to want the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare the pros love, Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25, in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination for 2022, the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. You're listening to an LA Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit LAKings.com slash podcast. The Kings win it back and we're underway. Quick head man pass to Kupari. Entering the zone in the back and a pass. They score! Nine seconds in! It's Carl Grundstrom! You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Dursey walks the line. Deneau across to Cali. Dursey from out high. Score! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Your LA Kings go 3-0 in week 5. And then right after we finish recording the King of the Week segment with John Hoven, we get an email saying that Brendan Lemieux has been placed on injured reserve, Leish Anderson and Jacob Muvirare have been recalled, and Brant Clark has been sent to the Ontario Reign on a conditioning loan. Now, the terms and details of that conditioning loan are still a bit murky to me, as you'll soon see, but fortunately, I went to the Ontario Reign game Sunday night, and so did John Hoven, and even though we had recorded that King of the Week segment in the morning... We huddled up in a little stairwell right after the game to compare notes and pool our info and explain what's going on as best we can with what we know. All that and Patrick O'Neill sat down with me and Zach Dooley last week and gave us a little look into his life as a broadcaster. So, apologies for the shifting audio quality in this episode, but here we go. This is a supplemental segment to the podcast I literally did what? Eight hours ago with John Hoven. John, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I didn't take my supplements, though, Jesse. No, well, me neither. Okay. Uh, but, you know, you and I hung up this morning after doing the King of the Week. And then, I don't know, 30 minutes later or something, we found out that Brand Clark had been assigned to the Ontario Reign. We're both here for the game. Brand Clark's first AHL game. Before we get to the game, um, my first thought when I saw that he was assigned was to quickly try and learn as much as I could about a conditioning assignment for players in his situation who are not able to be sent to the AHL, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All I can say definitively as of today is that he still counts against the Kings roster while he's down here. I haven't even thought about that part of it, but uh, how would that be? Because they have 23 players on the roster now. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I follow was put on IR. Okay. Uh, Lemieux was put on IR. Okay. Uh, Muvrari, I think they have eight defensemen, including Brant Clark. Okay. And 13 forwards. Okay. Well, I guess the more important thing about the conditioning assignment would yeah. be uh, it's it's a maximum of two weeks, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. day one started today. And you look at the Ontario Reign schedule, there's the game today. They're going to be off all this week, which is good because it'll give Clarkie a chance to practice with the club. Yeah. And then you have the home-and-home home next weekend. There's the game uh, that's with Henderson, and then you have the game on Wednesday, the night before Thanksgiving. Uh, then the Thanksgiving American Thanksgiving break, yeah. I guess we should say, because Brant Clark, being Canadian, yeah. probably doesn't care. It's just a Thursday on his yeah, exactly. calendar. Uh, and then they have that uh, two-game set with Tucson, and I guess if you follow the calendar, like we were talking about, Clarkie would be only available for the, the one game. 
Um, I think what's really more fascinating, quite honestly, Jesse, is what happens from that point forward. You're talking, what, the 27th of November? You have about a week until Team Canada's World Junior Camp opens up that following Monday. So you could play Clark, which would, of course, activate the, the you know, 10th game, activate one year of the contract. Uh, you could bring him back up, let him practice with the Kings, I guess, and then send him off. And then the whole 10-game thing gets delayed until after World Juniors. Probably the more likely scenario. At the start of the season, I kind of assumed that we would see a rotation of Dursey, Walker, and Clark. I agree. Uh, on that right side. And that at the end, you know, by the time December 5th or whenever it was, I didn't know it was December 5th at the time, that whenever early December rolled around, right. we'd be looking at a kid who had played, whatever, eight games or something, or, you know, close to nine. And they'd be like, all right, yeah, you go off to Team Canada. And then, as you said, whatever will be, will be. But then they played him in that stretch of games and now they've sat him for five um i'm shrugging you can't see it if you're listening to this but i'm shrugging because it's just one of those things where like it happened we haven't had an opportunity to talk to anybody about it the team is on the road and they were traveling today so there was no media availability there was no sure zoom call or anything so we're just sort of left to interpret the signs as best we can and i think you and i had the same thought which is check the calendar check the schedules and see how many games does this give him a chance to play? How many games will he be missing out on? And obviously the Henderson games next weekend and no games in between now and then um, was a curiosity, but there he was tonight. So let's talk about tonight's game. Um, well, I, real quickly, I yeah, think it's sure. important to note also that it would have been the same number of games no matter how you sort of slice it, meaning that if they would have waited until right. tomorrow and then made the official announcement tomorrow and therefore he didn't play today, that would have only given him one more game, which was that other Tucson game. Right. So he was playing the same number of games in that two-week window. It's just which games just, were they? Yeah, yeah, just because of the way the schedule fell. I think it made more sense to go ahead and start it immediately and let him play today mm-hmm. because he's already been sitting. And if you waited to tomorrow to announce it then he wouldn't play his first game until next weekend that's a whole other week of sitting so i think you know from that standpoint it did make sense i thought one of the things that was interesting in talking to clark after the game today was that rob gm rob blake sat him down yesterday morning which would have been saturday morning before the king's game against the wings and sort of explained hey this is what's going on tonight's going to be the fifth game that you're sitting out that activates the fact that we can send you to on uh, Ontario and what's funny is Clark he's saying he wasn't even on his radar yeah. he wasn't even thinking he was going to Ontario um, not this Ontario well not this Ontario <laughs> yeah well that goes against what he, uh, yeah. the normal thing he, he must read the Twitter but he's not reading the articles right so <laughs> so one of the things that I am slowly learning this season is that I, I downloaded the CBA and I downloaded the whatever it was called the memorandum of understanding back in 2020 when the COVID thing hit okay and I certainly didn't read it cover to cover but when something like this happens I pull it up and I do a search for phrases that I think are likely to lead me but I don't think this is in the CBA it is not right and that's where I'm going yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because this has nothing to do with the CBA it Correct. has to do with the player agreement between the CHL CHL transfer right, yeah. which I have not yet been able to find and to, I don't think you will from what no, I from what I understand like it. it's a, it's a secret like it. document mm-hmm. so for those that don't know there is an there's a an agreement whatever you want to call it there's a legal document that exists mm-hmm. between the CHL which of course is the the, the governing Canadian body hockey, of yeah. uh, of the WHL and, and the OHL etc mm-hmm. and so there's an agreement and and that's the document that basically says if, if this player has played X number of years and, you know, junior, then he's eligible to play another year, not eligible. And it's basically what prevents guys that are 19 years yep. old 
from playing in the American League. And of course, the only exception to that of recent times was during the COVID years when uh, the OHL was shut down and that benefited the LA Kings because yep. Cali Evan Byfield were targeted to go back and instead they were able to play one pro year here. So, so I pulled up the CBA this morning and okay. just put in conditioning loan, <laughs> found all the language that I wanted to, but didn't see anything about the five games, which I had seen you and Zach Dewey talk about. So I was like, all right, that comes from somewhere. It's not in the CBA. That means that it's probably in the transfer agreement between the NHL and the CHL. But in the CBA is language that says when a player is on a conditioning loan, he still counts against the active 23-man roster. So I asked my CBA CBA person (laughs) if that was still the case as it refers to this CHL NHL situation and he confirmed that it does okay so because it does normally for a regular player right so but I thought it might not because it's this junior player yeah 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 yeah. but except according to a source okay uh, it does still apply in this case I have not seen it with my own like ordinarily if I hear it from somebody and I can go and look and find it written down somewhere I go okay I've heard it I've seen it this one is just going off a source Let's you, and I, let's you and I pool our money together then and hire an official uh, uh, CBA interpreter. I'm all for we, it. We need, we need a capologist, <laughs> all too. All for it, yeah, because it's too complicated, and the NHL-CHL agreement is... That's a whole other conversation. Um, but Back. let's talk about the game. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, when Clark started the season with L.A., the conversation was the same that had been when he played in Europe and when he joined his Team Canada, which is he has such a unique style of play for a defenseman. It takes a while for teammates to get used to it. Yes. He joins this team. We just talked to head coach Marco Sturm, and he talked about the team needing to find their own identity, not yeah. the Kings, but the Reign. And now you have not just Brant Clark, but Martin Kromiak, Quentin Byfield, Alex Turcott. I'm sure I'm leaving out. It's an injection of a lot of new players in a very Mm -hmm. short period of time, for sure. Yeah, and I saw some guys trying to occupy the same space tonight. I I think that Sturm said it best when he talked about the fact that uh, Clark was trying to find his way or his teammates were trying to find him in the first 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. They were out of sorts. It was totally different late in the third period, and and I tweeted this out, and and not that you would read it, Jesse, but... I did. (laughs) There were two times in particular on that last power play he once up by the blue line and he was wide open and he i mean i thought he was going to break his stick he was banging it so hard and then again when he was down low right in front of the net he's again banging he's wide open people aren't really looking for him he has such creative vision it's one of the things that i noticed during the nhl rookie tournament up in san jose his vision is on a whole other level compared to most other players he sees things he sees the play developing probably quicker than most guys do and so it makes sense that there's an adjustment period right for guys to and even the guys that he, he talked about after the game today Clark did about well it was sort of seamless walking into the locker room it wasn't a lot of you know meet and greet it, mm-hmm. it was guys that he was playing with a month ago yeah but a lot has happened in the last month since that rookie tournament right especially a lot of teaching a lot of coaching at practices so they weren't really you know uh, in sync with Brent Clark just yet but you did see it as Marco said it the first 40 minutes were different than the last 20 minutes now I, I'm excited thinking about this week couple practices leading into next weekend's game we should see a different Brant Clark in terms of being a member of the Ontario Reign in those back-to-back games next weekend I don't know why this is the year that I've decided to care about this but I do players that bang their stick on the ice okay um so talk to Cameron is this a pet peeve of yours no 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 I'm just I'm just fascinated by it I'm just curious about like how it plays on the ice with teammates so, you know, we had a chance to talk to Cameron Gantz this summer about the guys that were playing in WJCs, and I asked him, and he said, it's great as long as the guy isn't 
blowing the opportunities when you give them or, you know, messing with your head and everything. And I asked Phil to know the other night after he found Sean Dursey, who was also banging his dick on the ice. And he said, yeah, it, it's annoying, but it's also great. <laughs> right. You, well, wait, hold on. How can it be both? It's annoying well, and I it's mean, great. Listen, my little sisters are both very annoying, but they're both great. I love them to death. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure that's a fair comparable, but okay. Um, but no, I mean, I think what he was saying was, yeah, when you're out there and somebody's demanding the puck, there is an, you know, there's a sliver of your mind that's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But then... He passes yeah. in the puck and he scores a goal and, okay, hugs, hugs all around. <laughs> sure. So I can imagine in a guy's first game, yes, he's known them. Yes, he played in the development camp and everything with them. But, yeah, if you're Alan Klein or if you're Akil Thomas or whoever and you've been here, you know, the whole season and this guy shows up and shift five, he's sitting sure. there, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, Jordan's... Trying to join the rush and, you know... Yeah, Jordan Spence has been running the power play yeah. now for a couple of seasons here. So, you know, he's he's sort of quarterbacking everything. Tynan as well. Uh, Velarde, when he was here, those were the three guys last mm-hmm. year on the, the record-setting, you know, power play in the American Hockey League. Yeah, Brant Clark is the new guy, even though they might know him. He's the new guy over there, I guess, banging his stick. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what happens next week in Henderson. Should be fun next weekend. And, uh, yeah, let's you and I not just pool our money on a, a capologist, but try and get to the bottom of <laughs> what is in that NHL-CHL agreement. Because uh, it's tough to ask the right questions when you don't even know what to ask. Well, you know, that has, for me, has always been the most challenging thing about the CBA. I know this is beyond the CBA, but Mm -hmm. when you get time to talk to a capologist or somebody that really knows the CBA very well, and you ask a question and they give you an answer, because most of the time they're lawyers, Mm -hmm. and so they don't just extend, (laughs) expand on their answers. They answer the very specific question that you Mm -hmm. ask, and then you go away, and and then you think of another question, and then you missed your opportunity. So, yeah, let's let's find a way to lock a capologist to a them to a desk or something sometime and pepper them with questions for an hour and then maybe we'll know more because asking just one or two questions at a time doesn't give you the full and like people earlier couldn't see you shrugging they can't see me with my arm saying the full expanded (laughs) story of the cba that's a that's a job in and of itself you have to phrase your question it's sort of like saying you know do you know what you want for breakfast tomorrow (laughs) and instead of them telling you what they want for breakfast they'll just say yeah i know (laughs) yeah right great all right well that was my one question thanks yeah all right john thanks very much all right, Jess, we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you. Time for King of the Week. Joining me now to crown that King of the Week, John Hoven, a.k.a. the Mayor. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing outstanding, Jess. Thanks for having me. Anytime, of course. Uh, now, you sound way better than you did 30 seconds ago. You are mobile, is that correct? Yeah, I'm out running some errands this morning uh, before the Bronco game gets uh, gets started here soon. So, well, yeah, let's well, squeeze this in. Let's do it. Appreciate you taking the time. All right, so let's hop straight into it. You know the format. We do an honorable mention, a runner-up, and then finally a king of the week. Of course, my word is final, so let's start with you. Who is your honorable mention for king of the week? You know, wait a minute, though. You never told me the rule that your your word is final. I, <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I agreed to that. Well, uh, agree or disagree, fine. them's uh, the rules. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so honorable mention, I'm going to go off the board on this one here. Honorable mention, I'm going to go with Arthur Kaliev. I think that he's a little below the radar right now, but he's he's doing what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, he picked up a couple of assists. Uh, I like the play of Arthur Kaliev, so he's not in contention for the top two spots, but uh, worthy of honorable mention for number 34. You know, the reason that I expanded the idea beyond just the King of the Week was so that other people, you know, beyond who the obvious pick was on weeks where there was an obvious pick would get some shine. And I have to agree with you, although I didn't pick him for my honorable mention. Arthur Kaliev definitely caught my eye as a player who who probably doesn't get talked about enough, right? 11 points, 16 games, four goals, seven assists. And as you said, doing the, the little things that, that need doing. So I, I, I do 
approve of that pick, although my personal pick uh, this week was Kevin Fiala. Um, because I, it feels like every time we talk about him, we just layer superlatives on top of him, but he's just so good, John. I mean, mm-hmm. you've been a Kings fan a very long time. I was trying to come up, I was thinking to myself, has, have we ever seen a player who plays like Kevin Fiala, not who's as good as Kevin Fiala or who has, is as creative as Kevin Fiala or as prolific as Kevin Fiala, right? There's guys that have been really, really good hockey players in LA Kings hockey. There's really, really good hockey players currently on the Kings, not named Kevin Fiala. But have you ever seen a player who looks like Kevin Fiala when he's playing in a Kings jersey? I don't know why this name came to my mind right now, um, mm-hmm. and I'd have to really think about it because I might I might change my mind after the fact. But for whatever re- Tony Granado was the name that came to mind huh. as I <laughs> was thinking while you were saying that. All so right. uh, he's he's a unique player, uh, and you know, so I'm not sure. Granado was a different type of player, mm-hmm. certainly more physical, maybe, but I don't know. That's I'm going to run that by some people. That's an interesting name. All right, your runner up then. My runner-up is a difficult one because the winner for me this week was a difficult one, Mm -hmm. Um, and I sort of waffled back and forth. But at the end of the day, for runner-up, I'm going to have to go with Philippe Deneau. Uh, He picked up, I think, four points, had a very slick, not sick, but slick pass in that overtime game, uh, scored a goal as well, and uh, has been more noticeable here over the last, you know, I would say week or so, uh, which is the, the time frame that we're looking at. So I'm going to go with Philippe Deneau this, uh, this week as my runner-up. Well, we agree on that one. Uh, Deneau was my runner-up and obviously was in contention to be king of the week. Um, he was king of the week last week. Or no, excuse me, he was not. Fiala was king of the week last week. Deneau was king of the week the week prior to that. Um, but yeah, two passes to Sean Dersey, pass to Fiala in overtime, Um uh, you know, and and I say it every time we talk about Phil Deneau, I think rapidly shooting up my list of all times king, all time kings. Excuse me, um, Phil Deneau had an incredible week. He, I think, as I said, total agreement on runner up, which suggests to me that we're probably going to come down and have the same king of the week. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, if you have a different person than I do, uh, after we agreed on the runner-up, I'm going to be completely baffled. But, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, but I'm very intrigued as well to hear who your other person would be if it's not the same. Um, you have to go with Jonathan Quick. He earned yeah. a shutout uh, earlier in the week, and then uh, as McClellan talked about, he went right back to him because you want to keep the mojo going after the shutout, and then I think he gave up just one goal in the uh, the next game there. So. Hey, Jonathan Quick has played outstanding, and and as this team over the last seven games, uh, we talked about this after the game last night off air, Jesse. That you know, there, I think six one and one uh, since that loss to Winnipeg, where uh, where Todd was talking about they need to stop playing the run and gun, and when they've tightened things up defensively, tightening up defensively has not just involved uh, the players, not just the forwards and the defensemen, but Jonathan Quick really seems to be elevating his game. And, uh, you know, we're, we're out of the spring training mode of, of the first couple of weeks of the season where, you know, everybody's trying to get, get up to speed. Uh, Jonathan Quick certainly looked up to speed this week, and they made hay when they needed to at home in this four-game stretch. So I think you have to go with number 32 between the pipes. Yeah, no, and you, obviously I agree with you. <laughs> um, there was a moment Well, damn about... it, Jesse, I was hoping you were going <laughs> to go out of left field and tell me the king of the week was, you know somebody different i would have been intrigued to hear the argument no there is no argument this week about halfway through the chicago game i looked at zach dooley and said well unless this game completely falls apart i know who the king of the week is um because jonathan quick was i mean he's 
like you said, two games, one shutout, and uh, one goal against in the Chicago game. And um, I, there's not much more to say than that. It's Jonathan Quick. Congra- <laughs> Congratulations, Jonathan Quick, this week's King of the Week. So John, you mentioned Todd McClellan's comment about you know tightening up. Did it feel to you at all, though, like in that game uh, last night, uh, that the first half felt buttoned up, and then maybe not the full second half, but the third period certainly felt like a little bit of a regression back to the run-and-gun kings? Well, it, it did, and there was one word that Todd used at least twice, if not three times, during the press conference last night, and that was cute. And mm-hmm. they did try to get a little bit too cute. And, you know, you, you can point to a number of different things. Uh, they're, they're 3-0 on the homestand. It's the final game. They're up. They had the momentum going there. You know, they took their foot off the gas. They're looking ahead to the roadie. They're already thinking that win is in the bag. You can't do that, though. You can't do that in the NHL where no lead is safe. It doesn't matter if you're up by two or if you're up by three goals. And they need to have that killer instinct. They need to beat the teams that they're supposed to beat, and they need to win games at home. So, uh, yeah, Todd talked about that in, in the third period there where they sort of let things get away. And I think he specifically referred to the pulling of the goaltender and saying, look, you know, they shouldn't have been in a position, mm-hmm. uh, Detroit that is, they shouldn't have been in a position where they were able to pull their goaltender to try to draw close enough. So it's one of those little lessons that, uh, and I'm sure that the staff talked about it last night and or they'll talk about it today on the plane uh, or once they, you know, uh, arrive uh, in, in Calgary. So it'll be talked about for, for sure. Uh, fortunately, though, they were able to pull out the win and, you know, we'll, we'll all forget about that in two or three weeks from now. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll forget about it by the time they play their next game. I'm going to mush two ideas together and ask you for comment. Apologies in advance. They play four Pacific Division teams on this upcoming road trip. They find themselves currently second in the Pacific Division behind only Vegas. Seattle and Edmonton are not that far behind them. Calgary is not that far behind them. And I, at this point, wouldn't even think about Vancouver, San Jose, and Anaheim. The trope is out there. If by Thanksgiving you're in a playoff spot, 75% of those teams go on to finish in the playoffs. This road trip, I'm certainly not calling any of them must win. (laughs) But if they could come away from this road trip with a strong record against four Pacific Division teams, could this road trip be like kind of pivotal in the playoff chase at the end of the year? Well, it is pivotal. Uh, these four home games, though, were pivotal as well. The sure. month of November is that pivotal month because in October you're still trying to sort things out. You know, uh, you, you, again, back to Todd. Todd talked about how uh, Fiala came in and had to sort of figure out how to play his game within the King structure, and Fiala seems to be fitting in, you know, better now than he was earlier in the year, and that's natural. You would assume that with a new player coming into an organization. So that leaves you with the month of November. After all that stuff sort of gets sorted out in the first couple of weeks, that November is pivotal. So they took care of business at home. They won those four games. That's important. Going out on the road, you don't want to give any of that back. So, you know, you, you want to make sure that you're not only holding your position in the playoffs, but you're also building some momentum and you're building some consistency. And I think we've started to see the identity of the team come out more. And even some of the players are talking about that. The power, pay, uh, power play, excuse me, had been struggling, uh, you know, up until the last game as well. And then you start to see that sort of turn the corner, even though Dursey didn't get credit for a power play goal last night with the, the clock expiring one second before he scored. But 
you know, it's essentially a power play goal. Um, so you want to be able to keep the momentum going, I think, more than anything, Jesse. More, more than looking at the standings, more than looking at Thanksgiving, it's just continuing to establish, okay, this is who this team is, and you want to be able to work on little things. And so back to the point from earlier, you're working on a little thing, buttoning up a lead there in the third period. You don't want to be working on big structural things, uh, you know, when you get into December. And, and so I think that's, you know, a, a big reason why this road trip is important. Um, however, at the end of the day, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're playing Pacific Division <laughs> opponents. <we> so, <laughs> you're, well, you know what I mean? Like you're playing Pacific Division opponents, and so, you know, you need to be able to win those games. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and, and there are some winnable games on, on this trip. So, you know, win those games, come home in a good position, and, and keep the ball rolling forward. We've talked to Todd McClellan over the last couple games because they've played uh, Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit teams that they played earlier in the season. Seattle is on this trip. And John, I think I'm most curious to see that game just to just to get a referendum on how much of a fluke or how real was that Seattle victory over the Kings in game two. Well, you know, if you're Todd McClellan on the LA Kings, you hope that it was a fluke. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was, it was early and, and it was ugly and it wasn't what you would expect. If, uh, you know, if you're if you're Todd and the team, so uh, yeah, that that certainly is a game. You also, you know, you have the Calgary Edmonton games. I think are also sort of benchmark games because those are two teams that are expected to be near the top of the division. So after there not being much of a rivalry, you know, for a long time with, with Calgary and with Edmonton, you know, it it is. Uh, we are hearkening back to the old Smythe Division days, and it's exciting to see the games against Calgary and Edmonton. So there's, a lot of the games on this trip mean something uh, and mean multiple things. So there's layers to the stories here. I guess that gives us a lot to talk about and a lot to write about. Yeah, hopefully. So one final question before I let you get back to your errands. Um, we've asked a bunch of these people this question as the season opener started, and I'll ask you now. I don't think I've had an opportunity to ask you. Every year, every team has a bunch of question marks. You know, will the goaltending come through? Will the special teams this? Will this player do that? Et cetera, et cetera. If everything were to go right for the Anaheim Ducks, we're looking at a team that maybe contends for a playoff spot, like maybe. But if everything were to go right for the Kings, what's the ceiling for this team? And I mean everything were to go right. If every potential 50-50 battle, you know, were to break for the way of the Kings. What do you think the ceiling of this team is? Are we talking regular season or we're we talking in, in totality, including the playoffs? Totality, everything. Well, you can go ahead and record this now uh, if you weren't already because you're either going <laughs> to laugh about it or you're going to want to play it over. This team has the potential to win the Stanley Cup. Totally now, people will, say, oh, people will say that that I'm crazy when I make a statement like that. So, So let me sort of walk it back and explain mm-hmm. where it's coming from. This team should be in the playoffs. This team on paper is talented enough, and you look at the division and you look at this team, they should make the playoffs. And, you know, I hate the comparables to 2012 because it was over a decade ago. It was a long time ago. The league is different. The team is different. The division is different. A lot of things are different. But what the playoffs have shown us uh, over the last 10-plus years is that it's all about getting into the playoffs, and then it's the matchups and it's the health. And I don't think that the team that we're looking at today is going to be the team, the roster, the 23 guys that are going to be playing come the playoffs. And so that's why I say that is still a possibility. I have not ruled that out yet. Um, When this team is good, they're really good. Now, you know, are you going to be able to lean into Jonathan Quick to give you 16 wins in the playoffs at this point in his career? 
I'm not going to count him out. I mean, if other people want to, I certainly would not do that. I've seen enough of the guy over the last 15 years to, to know the competitive nature that he has and what he can do. And again, it comes down to matchups. And if the matchups played in their favor, then I think that it's something that is possible. It's not what I'm expecting, but that's not what you're asking. You're asking what's the ceiling. Do I think it's possible? Yes, I think it's possible. I don't think it's possible that the Ducks or the Sharks or the Coyotes win the Stanley Cup this year. I do think that that would be the ceiling, but I think more reasonable. Uh, the, the Kings should make it into the playoffs and should advance you know, through the playoffs and, uh, and get, go deeper than they did last year. Hell, they should have won last year. They should have beaten Edmonton. <laughs> yes, they should have. <laughs> game six, they gave it away. They yeah. gave it away, Jess. They, no, I, they didn't I button that game up. agree with you 100%. John, we're agreeing with each other way too much over the last few years. Um, yeah, stop this, Jesse. We had, this <laughs> it's is on not you, fun. man. I, I, like, I like when you and I argue. Uh, but no, but you understood the assignment perfectly, right? Not asking if anybody expects the Kings to win the Cup. I wouldn't even put them in the category of like, you know, serious contender for the Cup. But if everything breaks their way, if Fiala finds chemistry on that third line, if the arvidsson moore Deneau line, you know, recaptures the, the scoring touch that they did last year, if Gabriel Velarde can, you know, if, 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 if all those yes. ifs go that way, yeah, the ceiling of this team is incredibly high. Absolutely. This team is on the rise. They've been on the rise. Uh, you know, credit to GM Rob Blake for what he went out and did the last two summers. I think he won the summer two years ago with Deneau and Edler and Arvidsson. Uh, and then going out this summer and getting th- the big prize that was out there in Kevin Fiala. He's made the additions that are necessary. And we all know the elephant in the room and we know what the next move needs to be. So we'll have to see if that's going to come internally, uh, you know, from maybe uh, Bjornfoot or Mavari. Uh, or if it's the move is going to have to come externally. So we'll see what that move is. Again, one of the other reasons why I think that the current 23 will not be the final 23. Well, it almost never is, right? That's how hockey yeah. seasons go. <laughs> so it's a not a bold prediction there. But, John, appreciate your time. As always, I'll let you get back to your day. Hey, and Jesse, I appreciate the uh, backhanded compliment on my way out the door with uh, the lack <laughs> of bold prediction there. So I'll give you a bold one next time. All right. Thanks, John. Talk to you soon. Joining us now, Bally Sports' own Patrick O'Neill. How are you doing today, Patrick? I'm great. How are you guys doing? And featuring Zach Dooley. How are you doing today, Zach? Jesse, doing well as always. I don't think Patrick's ever... Uh, no, he doesn't know the bit. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know the And featuring Zach Dooley. Let, oh, no, it's here. What's I, the bit? Well, that's it. Just saying and featuring <laughs> Zach Dooley. I never knew how to, you know, fit in the introductions. I used least. to get mad. Not really. Uh, he, he always <laughs> used to... He'd always put me last. He would always introduce everyone before me. I see. So I had... Rib him a little bit, call him out, and then he added the featuring Zach Dooley, like the classic guest star appearance on like a long running show. It's like, yeah. oh, this, there's a big name at the end, but he gets featuring, right? So it's yeah. a higher grade. Well, yeah, they get be, paid more usually. Yeah, that's, that's there. You go, <laughs> um, Patrick. Do you prefer? I don't think I've ever asked you this before. If I have, apologies. Do you prefer Patrick, Pat, Patio? Like, what do you like to go? Yeah, with? You know, it's when I was growing up. I was like in high school. They all mm-hmm. it was Pat. Um, but then, you know, once career started, you know, Patrick, but I don't care. People call me Patty, Patio, you know, Pat, Patrick. I think less people call me Pat now. I, mean, I think it's age. That's like the one name I think I've never called you is yeah, Pat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> My wife calls me Pat Pat. So I will not be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, I'm going to, I know I've said this to you before when we've had you on in the past. I'm going to do it again. I have now had the opportunity to work with you in multiple settings, studio, live, you know, behind the scenes, et cetera. And you are so good at your job. It's mind blowing. Wow. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. And I I really do want people to understand um, the professionalism that you bring. And not only that, but the willingness you have 
to help people who are maybe in their first live situations or, you know, someone like me who's done it plenty of times but is still basically a novice at it. It's always been really, really helpful and I've always really appreciated it. And beyond that, the time that I know that you give to people who just want to say hello or get a high five or ask you questions or one time, I don't know, 17 years ago or something, I bumped into you on the stairs outside of Crypto.com Arena and asked you for a favor and you were perfectly happy to do it. So I've always really appreciated it. That's very nice, Jesse. Thanks. I I feel so blessed. You know, I know it's silly, right? But um, there, there was a period of my life where I, I didn't know, you know, what was going to happen as far as work for me in my life. And um, once I was fortunate enough to get a get a job, you know, I mean, and, and I just I didn't want to ever take it for granted. Right. I mean, wow, I love sports so much. And I always wanted to be a, a sports broadcaster uh, growing up. I just did not know how to go about it, you know, and and I kind of took the easy way out. I didn't really have a lot of guidance in my life when I was young. Um, you know, I went to a boarding school in high school. I didn't really have my parents were split up and they were in different states. And um, I was just kind of just flying by the seat of my pants, really, and uh, decided to try the acting route because that was what I thought I should do. And and but when I finally got this great opportunity to to do um, sports broadcasting, every day is just so awesome to me. And um, you know, I appreciate you you saying that. And I think I've gotten better for sure. I think that's what's great about about this and what we all do, right? Every day is it's a new story. Uh, whatever team, you know, I, I cover, I've covered multiple teams, but you know, with, with the Kings, it's, it's a new story. It's uh, every day. It's going to be new people I'm going to meet or talk to. And, and for fans that they're going to come up to me and say like, you know, hello. And man, I, I, I would never take it for granted. I'm just happy that, uh, you know, if I can talk to somebody or, or help out, you know, it's a privilege. The first time I did the TV broadcast, you were a massive help to me with the way that you handled the situation and made me feel comfortable. So I will say it in much less words than Jesse did, as usually is the case here. But but I second what he said um, there. But you talk about getting into sports broadcasting. You know, did it click with you right away once you were able to kind of get into like, hey, this is where I'm meant to be once you kind of started doing it for the first time? No, no, it was um, it was hard. Like I was doing overnight radio. Like when I first got my my first job, it was sports updates, you know, 12 midnight to 5 a.m. And there were three times an hour. And and uh, I was really green, you know, I mean, I just and I wasn't getting I wasn't getting any any help on how to do the job. Um, just as far as, you know, you guys are, are, you know, really good at putting this podcast together. At one time, I was pretty good at, you know, uh, cutting and <laughs> editing and um you know, clipping sound bites together and whatnot, but I struggled like the first two weeks. Um, I almost got, you know, run for sure. And, um, I just kind of got over the hump a little bit. And then once I started to kind of feel confident, you know, then I'm like, okay, I can, I think I can handle this. And then when I got into TV, like two years later, again, it was the same sort of thing, just uncomfortable, a uh, lot of anxiety, you know, nerves, um, but all of my, you know, failed attempts as an actor and, you know, through my 20s, it was like a lot of classes and, you know, kind of working on a craft, right, in a sense, which it wasn't necessarily sports broadcasting, but it was your voice and it was memorizing. And I think all of that work 
you know, paid off when I finally got my foot in the door for, for sports broadcasting. And it's just growth for sure. Yeah. One of the open secrets that I've learned in my time in this industry is that there is nothing glamorous about what any of us do in professional sports. The pay is lousy. The hours are not great. The travel for some of you is miserable. And the people who pay attention and care the most are the people who are most likely to instantly criticize any mistake or <laughs> slip up that happens. So when you have someone who's been doing it for more than you know a handful of years, you know that they love it. And you know that it matters to them because otherwise they'd leave. They just go find something else to do. Get a real job. Yeah. yeah. Yes, essentially. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I haven't had that that experience about uh, uh, travel or, you know, it, to me it was to be with the team or something, traveling with the team. Well, you're I mean, flying, you know, yeah, charter flights. Not all the time. When I yeah. started, I was flying commercial uh, quite a bit. But, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, locker rooms, grinding, you know, scrums, your arm getting tired, holding the microphone. Yeah, there's but, – but I like to work hard, you know. So, to me it was – I love every every minute of it, really. So let's get into a day in the life of Patrick O'Neill during the Kings season. We'll okay. talk Angels too if, if you want. But for a Kings game, like today we're recording this on Monday. It's a practice day. Mm -hmm. There's no game tonight. You've been to many practices already this season. But like on a game day, what time or – what's your daily schedule for a game day? Well, usually it's – you know, if it's the night before, you know, we'll, you know, maybe talk to the producer of the pregame, you know, or the game and kind of have an idea of, you know, we've had, we have a number of different producers this year. We have four different pre post game producers, um, working with us this year. Um, so each kind of new producer, you know, I want to chat with and, and make sure we're all on the same page and offer ideas, ask if they need any assistance. Sometimes they want to kind of write the rundown themselves. And then maybe around 10 or 11, you know, usually I'll, they'll email a, a format and then we'll kind of, I'll just look at it, you know, sitting at home and, um, if it looks good, it looks good. And then just do whatever I'm doing during the day. It's uh, it's not that hard, really. Uh, just a normal, you know, if, if I have energy, I'll work out and iron and put the suit on and, and drive down to, to crypto and just think about the game. Maybe listen to the radio a little bit. Then when we get to the to the rink or to the stadium, uh, we just have a pregame meeting that you've been you've been in on a couple of times. And we just uh, sit with Stoley and, you know, if it's Army, uh, Jared Stoll or Derek Armstrong or Daryl Evans or whoever the, the analyst is, I just like to sit with them and kind of go over what we're going to talk about. Um, I, I, you know, the whole show is improvised in a sense with like topics. So that's the way, I mean, I'll write down notes, but I don't, if you've worked with me, like I'm not looking down um, at, at my notes about what's coming next. I memorize whatever the segment is in my brain, right? <laughs> That's redundant. Um, four topics. And um, I'll ask the questions or set everything up, and then I know what's coming next, and then just ask that question. But I, it's all ad lib, how I want to ask it based on what um, what the moment is, what the feeling is, what they've said. Maybe they've said something that's interesting, me, you know, and then – but but to me, all that magic happens on the, the live, right? The live television aspect is what I love the best because – um, that's when, right. There's no safety net and, and where maybe there's some humor that comes out or maybe there's some intensity or what, let me get them to say something. Let's get the best sound possible on the show. Um, you know, I love to watch TV, you know, sports television. So I want to, you know, give the product that the fans, the Kings fans are going to love the most at home. That's so we wing it essentially. So when you guys do the pregame show at home, you have this really cool outdoor set, mm -hmm. you get to do it there. And when I first took a trip with the Kings, you were on it and you did the pregame show 
on site, mm-hmm. you know, at an away rink. Now you guys have a swanky studio, mm-hmm. really, really good looking studio. Yeah. Uh, how has your role kind of changed on an away game versus what it was, you know, even a couple of years ago when you know, it was a different location? Yeah, a stu- like hosting in a studio is different than the hosting on the road in front of a backdrop. Um, it, it, different levels of voice, you know, we, you're you're kind of shot differently to me. Like I used to do a lot of studio work, you know, so luckily I have that in, in my um, background because it's, it's a harder show. I think uh, out of the studio, uh, we like to stand a lot for the pregame, but sometimes they want the desk. I feel the desk feels a little stuffy, kind of like standing. Um, so it, and it's just a bigger, like you got to fill the space, like with the energy, right? So it's, it's a relatively big room, but you know, I want to make sure like my voice, even though we're mic'd, it's like, hitting the back, you know, I feel it has to be a lot more energy because it's a wider shot than it is kind of a smaller two shot, um, where there's still energy, but a different kind. So yeah, it's, it's, it takes practice. I think, you know, I just want the shows to be entertaining, whatever, you know, they, however we make that work. I don't want it to say on the tombstone that here, here he lies. It was, the shows were pretty boring (laughs) (laughs) to that end. It's a weird the industry is is sort of i mean there's many ways to split it but one of the ways i like to think of is there are pe- there are some people whose part of their job is to be themselves you know like if you are on i i can't think of a specific job right now but if you are one of the stage managers for example and you're not public facing i guess that's a better um use of the phrase then then yeah you have to be yourself when you're dealing with your coworkers but like you're not selling yourself to fans or whatever part of your job is being patrick Mm o'neill and part of that job of being patrick o'neill is interacting with carlin bays with jared stoll with daryl evans sean o'donnell so is there a how quickly do you know what kind of rapport you're going to have with somebody else you know if i'm walking in and sitting down next to you or zach dooley's walking in like you must have gotten pretty good at modulating patrick o'neill at this point Mm. What do you mean? <laughs> like, well, so you've got, you like you can't talk to me the way that you talk to Carlin because Carlin and I are two different people. You yeah. don't have to change it up completely, but yeah, it's just relationships, right? It's you know it, we build. You know, I know you guys, and and I know if we're going to go on on television, we're going to have fun. I, I just know it. Um, but you know, I've worked with some analysts where I know okay, they're they're new at this, and I'm not going to get a long a, a long stretch of of a soundbite from them, and. So, okay, so I got to have more questions. I got to have, you know, be ready for, you know, if they're going to be struggling here a little bit because they're new at it. Um, they're all going to get better uh, eventually at the uh, analytic work of it. So then I just build on, you know, just two people talking. You know, I, I really feel that the the relationship with um, the analyst is so important or the reporter because I think, you know, when people are watching at home, they like to see um, – that people get along and that they have a great relationship and that there's great chemistry. So, you know, I think that I've had the ability in my career to um, make the guest or the analyst comfortable. Like I I want that person that I'm with, I want them to shine. You know, I I really don't um, want it to be about me, but I want to, if I can make them laugh or if I can set it up in, in some way to make them feel comfortable, or compliment the the person, right? Because they probably had a tremendous career, um, you know, at the highest, highest level. So I have tremendous respect for, especially when these, these are pros that have um, succeeded at, you know, in all these uh, professional sports. So whether or not, you know, I've been fortunate, I've covered all the sports in town. 
And so um, I think knowing all the sports and having played all the sports has helped me, you know, I think. Jesse uses this expression, and I'm not sure what he's doing right now, but he's making a lot of noise. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, He uses an expression when describing two people working together is, are are you either the frame or the painting? And they're both equally important to looking good when it's up on the wall, right? And when I watch you, you're like the best frame because you can set it up. And like you said, you can, you want to make the other person shine. You want to make them look good. And that's kind of part of the chemistry. Like, is it ever difficult or, or how do you kind of work on being like the best frame when your job is to almost lead someone else into saying, giving analysis on something? Is it hard to not give it yourself? Like, how do you kind of thrive in that role? Well, yeah, thank you. I think that in, in situations where there's been lots of television situations that haven't gone perfectly <laughs> and you're like, all right, this isn't going great. And there's a lot of stuff going on, um, you know, in the production truck, for instance, like they're not ready. And so then, you know, I have to rely on being able to ad lib, you know, and I, and I just think that um, it's a skill, man. I, I've developed the muscle to handle, I think, pretty much any live situation that's thrown at me on television. There hasn't, they haven't all been, you know, um, great either. There's been a lot of times, even with the Kings where we've had to cover really difficult, you know, situations on live TV where, Hey, this is not going to be a fun, you know, uplifting story. We have to tell you right here. Um, or there's, we have a lot of different things we do with, with hockey fights, cancer, which is coming up where we'll have to interview, you know, um, Families that have really had a lot to overcome and had suffered losses. And so it's just feeling, you know, the mood and, and the situation. And, and if I can, as much time as I can to get to know the subject or background, if it's an athlete or it's a person, maybe I'm quickly Googling, um, you know, to find out something so that I can maybe I have that in the back pocket if I need it. You know, it's all about filling the, the, the amount of time, right? Because our shows or, or the segments are tight, right, Jesse? And duels, you know, <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, if it's two and a half minutes and, you know, I've you got- contained Jesse Cohen to two and a half minutes. <laughs> I don't believe it. I've gotten used to time. Like, it's so weird. Like, I have a good ability of like how long something is and how much time is left. And then they're counting and they're, you know, so it's it's fun. It's I love the the stakes, right? It's like, I can't wait. I can't wait for it. It's just a lot of fun. It's such a small thing. And you may, I don't even know if you'll find it annoying that I admire this about you. <laughs> but when the producer is counting down in your ear, and right. for those who don't know what we're talking about when we're doing live things, we've got little earpieces in and the commercial break's coming up and you've got whatever, 30 seconds. And, you know, then the last, whatever, 15 or 10 seconds, there's literally a voice in your ear going 10, 9, 8. So, and you're trying to have a you're trying to speak and not be distracted by this countdown. Yeah, the your ability to time out whatever the last sentence or two that you have to say is, and either lengthen it or shorten it as needed. Right. So that when that one hits, you're done. Exactly. It's it's super impressive. <laughs> I wish I could do it. Thank you. You can. You can. I think it's it's so uh, it's so important for the producer. Uh, to not um, be counting as if the the whole room is on fire. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like if they're like five, four, oh my God, three. Just because um, that'll make me nervous or, you know. So just they, they start the count and I it's like I hear it, but I don't. Mm-hmm. And so I just talk through it. But their count needs to be just calm. Just I can hear you. Don't worry. I'm going to end on time. I'm not going to go over. Um, if I do, then it's on me, you know, but just really nice, easy, calm counts. Um, cause sometimes also they'll, if they talk to you too much, it's interrupting what the other person is saying. So then 
I'm like, don't talk to me when they're talking. <laughs> so the producer, that's also part of it. And it's so important to have the same relationship that, that you and I have, um, that you and I have, but I need to have a nice chemistry with the producer. They need to know me, whether or not they love the, the, the type of you know host that I am. Um, I'm not really going to change at this point. So um, they've given me the job. I'm doing the job learn how, you know, what I like, what I don't like. It just, you have to, you have to do it. Don't, I, I can't change the way I do it to fit the way you want to produce the show. You're going to have to find a way and we'll work together, but I'm the one talking on air. So don't <laughs> try, don't, you don't want to mess me up. Right. So that, that is important to have that good friendship, you know, um, with, with the producer, if at all possible. <laughs> Everybody always does the, you know, if I could go back in time and tell my young self one thing, whatever, mm -hmm. I think one of the first things I would get out is relationships and communication mm -hmm. will solve so many issues in the adult world. And mm -hmm. what you're describing is so perfect, right? I mean, yeah, it's so important. It's so important. Take that time to, to build the relationships uh, with everybody. Look people in the eye, take time, um, you know, and you, you never know when, when it's going to help you. It's going to, it all kind of comes around for you. So I haven't been perfect for sure. Made a lot of uh, mistakes on air, but you just got to keep you just got to keep going. You know, just got to somehow find a way to go to sleep that night. <laughs> That's the hard part. Yeah, we've, we've been there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, some of us, you know, have dressed up like a king on the TV <laughs> and, and gone. No, just kidding. Um, I mean, that's that was a big hit. That yeah. was a huge hit. Yeah. Huge hit. That was great. That was an outstanding. Segment. Some people will uh, do a uh, like a, a makeover, a transformation, or put on a costume, and it's a, a big smashing success. Others will do something, and it's not so much. Yeah, well, I think you're <laughs> I think you're two for two <laughs> yes. on the costume category. So, well. I mean, Don Cherry got fired, what, a week after we did <laughs> That's uh, true. the Don Cherry And, bit, and the LA Kings mascot got rebranded uh, re yeah. re a week after you did the other one. Fortunately, Ted so Lasso did not get canceled. Ted Lasso's still really kicking. Yeah, yeah one, more, one more season. <laughs> Patrick, you've also been doing play-by-play -play for the Angels. And I confess I'm not a baseball fan, so I've not watched a ton of Angels games. But when I do tune in, I thoroughly enjoy your call. If for no other reason, then I can tell you're thoroughly enjoying your call. I mean, how did that fall into place and, and what's it meant to you? It's meant everything to me. Uh, just to know that I did it, you know, and, and because we're always trying to push ourselves, challenge ourselves in, in life. And uh, to me, a play-by-play -play announcer was, was always the, the epitome of, of what I wanted to do. Never thought I was going to get a, a chance at it. I tried uh, for it earlier on, you know, I mean, I got my broadcasting career kind of started. I was already like 33, 34. And, and um, you know, it's hard. Play-by-play is a, a hard position to get. And I kind of thought the ship had sailed for me. I had done a little basketball. and But I always kind of envisioned my, myself doing it. And when, when given that opportunity, I was like, oh, my God. You know, there was nerves, a lot of anxiety. And every time you, you, you know that day you're going to be calling a, a, you know, Major League Baseball game. Oh my God, I just was trying to be as prepared as possible. And then next thing you know, the game is starting and you're actually doing it. And um, you talk about no, you know, safety net. Um, you know, it was, I did over 100 games, you know, and like 110, 115 games, something like that. And, and it was just a, a thrill, a thrill, thrill, thrill uh, of a lifetime. I mean, I had a no hitter, almost got a perfect game, another no hitter, a, couple, a cycle, immaculate ending. There was a triple play. Um, I botched some calls. I had to bounce back. I had to just shake it off and keep going, I'm battling through cold. 
um, different analysts because of COVID. It was crazy season. It's a grind. It really is. It's a hard, hard job. And I just want to do it some more so I can get better. <laughs> I would love another chance. Could you do hockey play by play? I don't think so. I, yeah. My eyes are kind of uh, stigmatism. <laughs> it's, it's pretty tough. Yeah. I think that um, I could, but I would need about like, a, I would need some serious yeah. minor league games. Very different, right? Yeah. Like, I, like- well, it's fast, right? Yeah. And the changes um, and, you know, probably the amount of work that you have to do to prepare to memorize all the numbers of the, the opposing team. I think I know I know our team, you know, very well and I could see all the changes and who's on the ice. But to be able to recognize, you know, um, all the other players on the opposing team and, and, and call it and who's shooting it. And, you know, I think I could do it. It would just it would be pretty bad, I think, for a bit. You know, but I think eventually I'd, I'd get the hang of it. But nobody would uh, stick with me long enough to, to get to that place, that's for sure. So with a baseball game, you obviously have to be prepared with oodles of information. Like, mm-hmm. do you prepare for every baseball game like it's going to be a four-hour 10-0 loss to make sure you're prepared for the four-hour 10-0 loss? And then you can not use stuff if it's a really, really exciting, you know, three-two game kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. The, yeah. the hardest... Uh, part I had with the with the preparation is, you know, where do I put all these notes? Because uh, there, yeah. there's just not very much room on the table. You know, I'll have I got my iPad and I've got a lot of different kind of tabs open uh, for stats and um, game notes. And there's actual game notes for both teams. And then I have my computer over here with four different tabs open. And then I'm like, all right, where am I? So th- that's been my, my biggest struggle with everything in life is I'm a little, you know, things are written all over the place, you know, and my memory is really good. So finding what works for me as a, you know, play-by-play announcer in baseball started to come more naturally as the season went on. It's like, you know, I'm not going to spend that much time on the other team, learn everything you possibly can about the other team. But I, I was running out of time to prepare for the other team quite a bit. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm I'm new at this. I'm getting myself in a little bit of trouble here. I'm getting in the weeds. Um, so rely on the game notes, rely on my partner, and trust your instincts. Um, yeah, so I, I need to get better. I need to get better at it. And we sometimes on the road, I called a couple of games at Dodger Stadium. There was no room at the table for the stuff. It was like the smallest little press by. It was like, <laughs> cool. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm calling a game at Dodger Stadium. This is insane. How am I going to do it? So eh, live and learn, I guess. When – People ask about performing live. Um, one of the things that I would not have expected, but that I discovered was that the actual talent, from my perspective, you guys can tell me if you agree or disagree, but from my perspective, the actual talent being used when you're doing it is focus. You know, mm-hmm. prep, prep is prep. I don't know that there's necessarily a talent for that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you are who you are, so you're going to be how you're going to be. But the real skill that you're tapping into is the ability to block out the fact that you it's live you don't get to redo it if you make a mistake you can't dwell on it you have to just Mm -hmm. internally acknowledge it and move on and Mm -hmm. go well that was a mistake yep i imagine that doing a four-hour game broadcast Mm -hmm. requires a different level of focus that was hard yeah 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 you're right no you're right because you can't you can't not focus for a split second or you're going to get caught and it happened to me a number of times, right? Just you, you really in baseball, you have to think like every single position. What is that player going to be doing in this situation? You, know, you have to kind of think about it, and it's hard. You know, I wasn't that even that good at baseball, let alone you know trying to call it. And 
you know, I got caught a couple times. Like if, if you just drift your brain just a little bit, there was a triple play. I was laid on. There's only been 12 triple plays um, in Angels franchise history. And I had one of them. And I was laid on. It was like a long inning. And there was still nobody out. Three runs have been in. I've been like 15 minutes already. And I just thought, you know, this is just going to continue. First and second, nobody out. And then, you know, Stassi hit a hard ground ball, third base, stepped on third, through to second, through to first, triple play. And I was just, now I you know, I just wish I had another crack at it. You know, <laughs> you're not going to go, this is, wow, what? because it's against you. But I was just a little, I was caught watching. I'm like, oh my, that was a triple play. Meanwhile, they're like five, four, three. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I, I don't even have time. But I'm like, oh man. And then we're at commercial break and I'm like, oh, that sucked. Dang. <laughs> uh, but you're right. God, I just have to do a little bit better at the focus. Yeah. How do uh, baseball people compare to hockey people? Yeah. Um, every, every sport is different, right? And, and, the, and the way they handle media, especially coming out of COVID, suddenly the rooms are back open again. Um, but I will definitely go to my grave saying that the you know, hockey players and, and staff and coaches are the very best in talking to and getting to know in treating you with a little bit of respect, right? I mean, I was just in there just chatting with Phil Deneau, Rasmus Kapari, and Sean Dersey about taxes, you know, um, and how they pay their taxes. Well, that's that's and, a separate podcast yeah, episode. Yeah, and it's just like very cool, you know, like, wow, these are, they're, they're not like brushing me off and uh, hurry up, you know, I don't really have time for you. Or, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll say your name, you know, it's very rare. It happens. There are some good people in baseball, but like, especially like the super superstars, they're really busy. They're there because the people are pulling them from a lot of different angles. Um, so yeah, hockey's the very best. Basketball is different. Um, NFL is really hard to even get access, but college football, you know, college is great, right? Those players. I remember covering USC like in 05 or 06 or something, and I, I, I was I was trying to get Matt Liner sound. And I'd ask the, you know, the SID, I'd love to get Reggie Bush too, but, you know. And so I interviewed Matt Liner, it was like a minute, two minutes. And then I thought, no way, Reggie Bush is, he's gone. I turned around, he was waiting. I'm like, oh my God, Reggie, thank you so much, you know. So, I, you know, they're, they're great people everywhere, you know. But it's, you've got to think, they're they're busy too, right? They don't necessarily want to talk to me, but, yeah. That was the, Did I answer? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. That was the... That USC team, that was the I know. biggest biggest team on the planet, yeah, right? That yeah. was so awesome. I was devastated when Texas beat them. That was awful. Was there a, a particular maybe interview with a player or personality or someone like that that's been like a standout as like, man, this was the this is my favorite interview that I've done in my role with the Kings? Oh, uh, with the Kings. Um, or, I, or anywhere. Like yeah, if, no, if there no, was I'll one that was the beyond Kings. the Kings. Yeah, no, the Kings is uh, – this is the Kings podcast. I would say um, – when they were winning, you know, those cups. And I, I went down there on the ice in 12 and I memorized uh, every home city that every player was from, you know, <laughs> so I could ask them about what, what, you know, what's going on in their hometown right now. And I would say it, you know, and I was proud of how that went. Um, I, you know, I get to work now with Jared Stoll and, and I interviewed him when he beat Vancouver, you know, it was like that first little walk-off interview. I miss traveling and I miss doing the interviews. I'm, ho- you know, it's great to host. It's awesome. But I really like building the, the muscle of doing the interviews, um, keeping them tight, you know, making, you know, getting the best responses. That to me is a great skill. And I really miss not getting a, a chance to, to do that very much. Um, but uh, yeah, 12 and 14 and 
all those years doing those interviews, getting them out on the set after they won. It just, that was such a thrill, but nothing's like really jumping out, you know, I, I guess the party afterwards, after they winning, there and, it and is. Holding, yeah. Holding that Stanley cup. <laughs> yeah. That's the one. <laughs> and we weren't filming that, but man, that was <laughs> awesome. Working with Jared Stoll, I've watched him sort of learn from Jim Fox and the two of them, when they interact, right. It sort of feels like, I'm not sure how I want to say this. Cause I don't want to make it sound like I'm, it feels uh, this is all going to get it out at this point now that my pause is taking too long. No, this is too much work to edit out the pauses. <laughs> oh, no, Leave them, leave um, them in there. It'll feel like four hours. So Jared Stoll, it feels like is drafting off of Jim Fox in a good way. I don't mean that in a bad way, but like it, it feels like sometimes when the two of them are on, Jim is sort of leading the way. It's almost like um, Jim's teaching him how to ride a bike, and then the more they work together, the less Stoll needs Jim. Um, do you? Do you observe that? Is that just in my head? And then how much of that are you doing with people? Like, for example, Derek Armstrong, who's now in the studio Mm -hmm. with you more and more often. Like, are you giving pointers? Are you giving tips? Are you helping people develop their broadcast? I think so. Absolutely. I, uh, for sure. Like army and I are always like, you know, and talking things out. I'm, you know, I want, I, cause I know what their, their strengths are. Like, so, you know, I know, I know army can be pretty darn funny. So I'm going to try to find a way to make sure he can balance. Let's get the entertainment and the funny, but also keep the, you know, like, don't forget to be a really good analyst also, but we'll, we'll plan some things out. Um, when you, when you mean Jim and, and Stoli, do you mean like on a pre post or sometimes he's in game or what? Yeah. Usually it's when talking about a highlight, like J- J- Zach and I were talking about this earlier today. Jim is such a good analyst mm-hmm. and so good at bringing his perspective to things that even a lifelong hockey fan might not yeah. be aware of, right? Like what players are seeing on the ice, why mm-hmm. they're making split second decisions. And one of Jim's superpowers in my mind is knowing which information is appropriate for which moment. Mm-hmm. Like I've had him on a number of times or even we've done live stuff. You know, we're doing a Q&A one time and somebody asked a question and he said, that's a really great question. But let me tell you this. And then gave an answer that nobody would have even known to ask about. Mm-hmm. But he knew that the person was asking because they wanted to know about X, Y, Z. And he was like, well, that's okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. But in a split second, he's doing that. And I'm starting to see Jarrett getting better at that. Oh, yeah. He, Jarrett has improved. He's so good right now. But for sure, watching the games with Jarrett and then he'll, he'll want to say something and then Jim takes it. He's like, oh, yeah, man, yeah. I was just going to say <laughs> that. Uh, but, yeah, no, they're they're definitely feeding off of each other. And that, there's great chemistry. Jim is really, really good at those talkbacks, um, especially when there's no delay. But mm-hmm. at home, when we bring him in. And then he'll listen to stuff that we've said earlier in the show and he'll bring it back in, work it in. Now, he is so skillful at that. And and I think that, you know, that has rubbed off for sure on on Stoli. Army's his own, you know, he's his own guy. You know, I don't know. <laughs> he, he's going to do things his way. Uh, not, that's not going to change. That's what's uh, fun. But that's what's great with working with different personalities. Like, what, what are their strengths? What are they good at? I did five years with Odie. He had a dry, sneaky sense of humor. So let's, let's play that up. Let's have fun. And then it's our relationship that people are watching us, you know, how we talk about the game. And hopefully that's entertaining. That's it? Are we done? I think so. Unless you want to give us a TV recommendation. Like, what are you watching these days? Uh, I, I just finished season four of Ozark. Great. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, I just, we watch Atlanta. You guys, have you ever seen yep. that show? That, oh, yeah. that, that show is uh, pretty wild. Uh, we just, uh, we got into season two of White Lotus. Um, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I love season... Uh, 
I guess it's Hall season two. They're yeah. kind of both different shows, but um, not as good as the first one. Um, but we're watching it. Uh, we're we're doing Handmaid's Tale too. The Handmaid's Tale. You guys gotten into that? I have not bit? yet watched. I haven't, it. My um, wife my wife's watched Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, it, it's kind of fun to watch something that together, right? She's my wife works um, in content for Disney, so she's always watching something. So I'm like, oh man, you watched that already? I wanted to watch it. <laughs> so did you get into Severance? Uh, yeah, we watched Severance. Yeah, right. I really liked it. Yeah, and it's coming back, right? I mean, it's yeah. got it. Right? Yeah, no, after it has the, to. After after the end of yeah. probably the best yeah. wreck I've ever gotten from you was Severance because of how passionate you yeah. were about mm-hmm. Severance, and I was like, all right, I gotta watch it. It's and so now, yeah, so good. You know, my, my dad he'll only want to watch movies. I'm like, Dad, television is so good right now, but he he won't do it. But uh, yeah, so definitely always watching something for sure, for sure. It's been a, hey guys, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, um, you are um, such hard workers and uh, great talents. And I know the Kings fans really appreciate all that you do. And you know, keep it going, man. Thank you. Uh, thanks very much for having me. It was awesome. Thanks for joining us. Got it. Patrick O'Neill, everybody. <laughs>